a storied tradition. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like every. I think her her reasoning was like, you know, every time we make love, it's like like any time I walk in the room. Welcome to Chapel Bell Curve, a stats-focused podcast about UGA football. I'm Justin. And I'm Nathan. And today we're talking about cats, kitties, more cats. Not the Kentucky ones, but the ones straight out of Missouri. Is that how they say it there, Missouri? <laughs> yeah, they do say Missouri, I, I believe. Um, the the old border raiders that they are. Border raiders. Are they the Midwest? Uh, ish. I mean, they're in the Southeastern ish. Conference. They're, they're Midwest adjacent. They're nice. They're very nice. Like I, I, and you know, you say this, and then of course someone's gonna like burn across my yard from Missouri. But I've never met a uh, Mizzou fan that I that was not just an incredibly pleasant human being. Like most Mizzou fans are just like Will Leach. That's just who they are. They're Will Leach, but they're Mizzou fans. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They're amazing. They're amazing. They're incredibly polite. They're really nice. They're kind of like sneakily funny. Um, very fun to be around. So far as I can tell. Yeah, so let's talk about it, man. Let's get into the subjective narratives. Let's. Let's talk about... Well, a lot A lot of people are talking about the recruiting going on right now. There's been a lot of visits, and we're getting later in the season, so there's been a lot of you know, uh, different players running around, and people are trying to decide if Georgia's season has affected their future recruiting. And so my question to you is, is have you heard anything regarding this situation? I know that the number two quarterback has been making visits, and he's... Uh, Folks are talking about him probably making a decision pretty soon. But yeah, people are saying that, that our, our poor performance is a, is going to affect next year's recruiting, which uh, how you feeling about that? I don't I don't know that that's true. I mean, not that I would ever say anything like objectively speaking, but objectively speaking, right now, UGA is currently the fourth or the fifth ranked class, 16 commitments, two five stars, 12 four stars. Two three stars. I think one of the three stars is actually a specialist too. Um, I don't. I don't think that that's true. We're third in the SEC, which I think is behind LSU and Alabama. Um, we have the number one overall um, outside linebacker. We have the second ranked offensive tackle. We have the sixth ranked, the sixth ranked running back. I mean, it's, it's a it's a pretty good class. Still need still have it's a couple of needs. Good. Yeah, I need a couple of needs that need to be filled out. We have a really we have one very good uh fifth ranked wide receiver, 6'2, 195, Marcus Rosemey out of St. Thomas Aquinas in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, but we probably need another big name wide receiver to feel really good just because we, you know, have seen that the wide receiving the wide receiving bench is maybe not as deep as we would like it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I yeah, I think this is going really well. I mean, we're sitting at a 93.76 average rating which is very, very good. I mean, all right, so currently in the SEC, it is LSU, then Alabama, then us. But LSU and Alabama have 24 and 23 uh, commits, respectively. Like, So their classes are just about done, and we still have about seven more spots, and we are like 25 points back with seven spots. There's about a 20-point gap between us and Ohio State, the fourth uh, per 24-7, the fourth-ranked class right now. Uh, which I think is mostly just numbers, right? We have 16 commitments. But, I mean, we're currently fifth. Florida is 10th with 19 commitments, none of them five stars, which is just, that's mm-hmm. just like, mm, mm, 
nom 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 nom. That is just <laughs> chef's kiss. I just eat that up. Mm. I just want to kiss that fact. Um, <laughs> I wish that I wish that 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 state of existence had a face so that I could just put a big old smacker on it. Um, yeah. So I don't I don't know that that really bears out. I mean, I think Georgia. We've said right if Georgia has to recruit in the same echelon as the Clemson's, LSU's, Alabama's, Ohio State's, and that is mm-hmm. literally exactly what they are doing. Their average, oh, yeah. so they have they are they're the fifth ranked class, but their average like level of uh, recruit is actually second in the nation. So like lots of very good players, consistently good from top to bottom. Sixteen commits that you really like, and we just kind of kind of fill some stuff out really exciting i mean kendall milton is a really good running back he's four star 24 7 he's five star in rivals uh he's a really good player there's just a lot of really good guys to look forward broderick jones is probably like the next like big offensive tackle like the next sam Pittman get or whatever um so yeah just really exciting also we are just tearing we are tearing florida up we have five commitments from florida right now so i don't think that that really bears any weight Kirby Smart's press conference today talking about the Missouri game coming up. The, he talked a little bit about uh, injuries and things and gave us some updates from second team folks. And one thing he talked about a little bit was just how these two teams don't align philosophically necessarily. But uh, he does respect the Missouri program a lot. He respects Barry Odom a lot. And he even said it's where he steals a lot of his ideas from often, which I found really interesting. But is there anything that we can see in these two teams that might support that idea or or, or yeah i what mean you- barry odom is a i mean he said in his press conference kirby smart did that barry odom is a defensive coach that is coaching at his alma mater and i think in that in, the, mm-hmm. in that respect you know barry odom he's a lot of people calling for his head because of the way it's been you know the way it's been the way the season's gone but you know when he was first hired uh, i guess four years ago i re- i really do think that um he he was sort of like the local boy done good Right. He had sort of that Kirby smart shine when he came in. Um, He was he had been he had coached at Missouri before. He was a Missouri alum. He was a Missouri man in the same way that I think a lot of us, a lot of the positive initial reaction to Kirby smart was that he was just a Missouri guy. Right. So Mm -hmm. or a UGA guy. So in in that sense, I do think that they're similar. And, you know, uh, Barry Odom is a hard nosed dude who likes to run the ball, uh, but is just a little bit more willing to throw the ball than I think Kirby Smart is. So and in many ways, I think in the sense that they're both just sort of like like hard ass football coaches coaching at their alma maters who really, really care about defense. It, it would be almost hard for them not to be it would almost be hard for them not to be that way. Right. Uh, not to ha- not to feel some amount of kinship to each other. You have a, a talking point in here. Do you want to spout that one off? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I do think what is interesting, and I, I want to point out that I said this before we talked to the Missouri blogger and he brought this up, is that, you know, there's 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 going to be like five points scored in this game. <laughs> Missouri, their def- mm. or the Missouri's offense has not been super effective in many ways this year, uh, you know, in terms of advanced stats, but their defense is just good. They're just they're good to very good at pretty much everything. Um, per S and P plus, Missouri S and P plus does not actually like Missouri's defense quite as much as just the raw advanced stats do. S and P plus has Missouri in the mid twenties, twenty uh, third overall, but it has the defense only fourteenth. But just per efficiency, they are like a top five defense in the nation. And knowing Kirby Smart the way I do know him, if he's playing a good defense and he thinks that the other team has a bad offense, he's going to make this awful on all of us and just absolutely like mud up this game. And, you know, in 2015, there was the old uh, six to nine game, the nice game. 
um, against mm-hmm. Missouri. And I don't know that it's going to be that low scoring, but I don't think that it would really bother Kirby Smart that much if it did. And so that that is sort of one of the talking points that I think. Yeah, that 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 I think is going to be interesting to see is like, does it does it bear out that way? Mm-hmm. And this is I, I've always really enjoyed Missouri ever since they they hopped into the SEC just because they they have a a very interesting pro style offense that I've always really enjoyed watching. And it's always a team that I feel like is always just right on the cusp of being right there with us. You know, the, there was the one year that they did end up beating Georgia. And uh, I think you'll probably have some things to talk about uh, uh, in regards to that game because I know you're probably there. But they just always, I don't know, it, it's a team that I, that they've got something going on. And I'm interested to see the way it develops is all, you know, it doesn't seem like this was the year every year for the past few years. It's kind of been like they've got all the right pieces and then something just unfortunate happens. And I think this year they've just been kind of uh, rife with injuries with Kelly Bryan and a few other folks. But uh, we'll see, I guess. I don't yeah, know. I mean, and I, I guess another sort of, you know, narrative in going this game is, is Kelly Bryant even going to play as of today? Barry yeah. Odom said if the, if the game was today, he would not. So. You know, I think that the, either way, he won't be at 100 percent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's, he's about 75 percent right now. So, you know, I think that regardless, this is really a game where uh, I, I I think that there's going to be a lot of if not in, if not intrigue, then at least, you know, interesting things to see coming into pregame. Diving right into some stats just to, to kind of start talking about things. They the Winsipedia doesn't tell us a whole lot about this still because this is a still a, a fairly new series. Uh, it's only been eight games played between these two teams. Uh, Georgia has won seven of them, and Missouri has won just the one. And that was back in 2013 when Missouri beat Georgia 41-26. Largest margin of victory for Georgia was 34-0. And so we are on a five-game win streak at this point against Missouri. And in every other metric, you know, all-time record, championships, conference championships, et cetera, et cetera, Georgia still comes out on top uh, just because they have a, a more developed football program as, as um, comparatively. So not much to say there, but there is a lot of interesting talking points to pull from the actual sp plus stats uh do you want to kind of hop in there because there were some interesting pieces that i'm i'm excited to kind of get through and talk about how confusing this team is yeah this team is <laughs> incredibly well no no that's what I, I i'm just sort of like i'm befuddled by it per smp plus missouri is the 23rd ranked team in the nation 61st offense 14th defense 47th special teams um just in general, just sounds like seems like a solid Missouri team. But if you look at like how their schedule has actually fallen out, it's been incredibly weird, right? They lose a very fluky turnover-ridden game to uh, to um, Wyoming at Wyoming. They beat a couple of they beat up on a couple of teams. Then they lose or they lo- lose their quarterback temporarily to Troy, who also ends the I think ends the season of their best linebacker. And injure Kelly, Troy also injures Kelly Bryant, their quarterback. Then they go to um, and they win the game, but then they go barely beat Ole Miss. Then they lose to Vanderbilt and Kentucky. So it's kind of been like uh, quite quite the rigmarole of a season for them. And and it's just really hard to pin them because for all of that, despite all the three losses, this is an elite defense, right? Number third in success rate overall. Number fourth in pass success rate surrendered. Number seventh in rush success rate surrendered. They are. Um, very good at defending both the run and the pass like currently um just per to her yardage stats right yards per play they're ninth in the nation yards per attempt uh inc- that includes sack yardage they are 10th in the in the nation yards per carry not including sack yardage they're 24th in the nation 
And then third down conversions, they are 11th in the nation. Explosiveness defense, they're 13th in the nation at overall explosive play rate. They're 26th in the nation at passing explosive rate play rate. And they're ninth in the nation at rushing explosive play rate. They are very, ninth very good. <laughs> ninth in the Nathan. No, they're, they're way lower than that <laughs> in the Nathan. But ninth in the nation at a rushing explosive rate. They're they're pretty much good at everything on defense. They, they are a above average havoc team they're in a budget above average stuff uh stuff rate team they're very they're decent at defending you know uh fourth downs they are excellent at defending inside of the red zone i mean there's just not a lot that they're bad at right and so it, it's weird to me that a team with a defense this elite could drop a dumb game on the road to a power uh, non-power five team not because that's mm. impossible but because when you have something where you can like just lean on a good defense it should be pretty easy or not easy but it should be able to like stabilize you when you have these like up and ups and downs in your offense you know offense wise i don't know it, it's offense wise they have been inconsistent at best right um offensively missouri uh overall uh success rate they are 55th 75th in the past 51st in the run um they do not match up very well against this defense at all against our defense at all uh, they're just about average or below average at most things. Um, they're a little bit above average at rushing explosiveness rate. They can, they're 44th in the nation, but still not great. I mean, they're, they're, they are average to decent at most things and they're at a couple of things, just bad. So, I mean, yeah, that, that's how you win. That's how you lose games when you have a really good defense or really good defense is just having an offense that can't really move the ball, but still it's just, it's so bizarre to me because like, this is like a you know mid sixties offense. It's not like a hundred and thirteenth offense. And when you have yeah. a defense that is that fearsome, it's just weird to me that you were losing games like that, right? I mean, when I look at this defensive profile, I'm like, well, this is going to be a really stressful game because we're going to spend like seventeen points, right? So mm. I don't know. Is there anything that you see in the stats right. that stands out to you? I think what what is most impressive about this Missouri team is their their defense on by downs for success rate and so their first down success rate is number second second down is number eighth third down is number ninth and their fourth down is 23rd and so i think that that is really important to kind of check through uh because you know comparing georgia's to theirs uh first down success we're also second offensively um and eighth offensively so we match all the way up until we get a third down where we're kind of having some struggle uh, some struggles uh, uh, as far as you know pass downs goes uh, right. our passing downs are just not as great as it could be and that kind of comes from our our lack of explosive uh explosive plays that have been successful um and so it will be interesting to see how this team is able to maybe finally get the run game started question mark and well we, that would kind of lead to a, a pretty great game like if we can get the run game yeah started. i mean but the problem is we're, we're playing a defense that's very good at defending the run and i mean and the thing about yeah, exactly. the thing about barry odom defenses in general is they tend to just be very technically sound so if you just run yeah. vanilla ass bullshit against them looking at you james coley <laughs> it's not going to work right uh we, we are going to have a segment here with uh nate edwards a guy from uh, rock m nation and he talks about some of the things that they do well and that they don't do well but one of the things that they don't do is get way out of position and let you just run all over them right so yeah, and you're exactly right, though, is that this team is really great about containing containing the rush. They haven't played a team that rushes like Georgia, but Georgia right now isn't even rushing like Georgia. So what, what can we even say to that? But they are really great at containing explosive plays, both rushing and passing, and they're really great uh, at, at stopping success, successful teams you know, on each down. So that is going to be tough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, do, I do not think that this is going to be a game where 
we're suddenly like, well, the offense is good now. Yeah, it's we're still going to have the same offensive woes. Uh, we're going to see a really great Missouri defense. I think we, as long as we can score points, if we can just score points early, I think we'll be okay. Right. You know, because then we'll be able to to really just kind of lean on the offensive, uh, on the rushing game, whatever it looks like, and then win the game. Because it doesn't seem like this Missouri team can put many points on the board despite averaging, I think, 31.8 points per game. I don't think that's going to be the average much longer with Kelly Bryant being questionable. Yeah. So, Well, what do you want to see from this uh, Georgia team coming into this game, Justin? I do want to see... I want to see Jake Fromm continue to develop his game uh, as far as passing goes, because this is a team that, as we've already talked about, is that this rush D is great. This uh, against explosive rush plays, they're great. They're going to load the box. They're going to contain the run. How are we going to combat that? And they have a great secondary. They have a really experienced uh, older secondary that's going to be able to contain Jake Fromm potentially as well. And so what are we going to do creatively to keep them on their toes? What are we going to do to hide our schemes? What are we going to do to to mix things up so that we don't just have to lean on them? Because we are getting further into the season. And if we're just going to play man ball like we've talked about, then we're at risk for more injuries that are going to be more consequential this late in the season. And so we can't keep doing that if we expect to play well in an SEC championship that we hope to go to mm-hmm. in Mm-hmm. Not that many weeks from now. Agreed. I say that because I think it's five or six. Yeah. Maybe seven. So I I I agree. I mean, I think more specifically, I'd really like to see more variety in the rushing game, rushing attack play calling. I mean, let's see a first half toss sweep, right? Let's see just a little bit more. And it doesn't have to be outside of our own, you know, personality, outside of our philosophy. You know, we're going to run inside zone read. We're going to run outside zone. We're going to run inside zone, whatever. But let's put a little bit more window dressing on this. Let's break our tendencies a little bit more. Let's. I think we got in the first half running the ball against Florida. We were just very predictable by formation. And you could just kind of be like, well, looks like we're going to run the inside zone read. And then we just do it. Like we're running in yeah. running in trips wide. One was one wide receiver to the boundary or to the, yeah, to the boundary. And I think we're going to run, you know, strong side inside zone. And then that's what we would do. Like, and so... If you can even like anecdotally see that, then that means that a defensive coordinator can see it, right? So just yeah, a little bit more variety, even if that's just some new motions or if that is some um, a different, you know, a- adjustment in the handoff. Just, I mean, there's little things we can do that kind of still stick to our core philosophy of how we want to run the ball, but just give the defense something a little bit different look to look out. I'd also like to just yeah. say Jake, see Jake Fromm looking crisp. I mean, I don't think this is going to be a game where Jake Fromm throws 30 passes, and I don't think this is going to be a game where, you know, we need him to throw the ball or you know for 300 yards. But I do, I just would like him to just catch his first receiver, start hitting people uh, in a little bit more timely manner. I think he's just a little bit more hesitant since compared to last year. This year, he's just he's waiting and holding the ball a little bit too much, and so I just want to look him. I want him to see. I want to see him throw sort of in rhythm a little bit more and not hold the ball, not wait for things. Just really, I don't know, just really get in rhythm is what I'm thinking. Um, yeah. But other than that, I mean, this is a game that I think is going to be totally miserable, but that we can win, right? <laughs> I think it, I think yeah. it's going to be 100% yeah. miserable, but I think we can win this game. I just would like to see some confidence on offense, right? So, you know, we had some really bad blown assignments in the first half uh, blocking the run game against Florida. I'd like to see that stuff cleaned up. I'd like to see just just a cleaner looking um, passing game from top to bottom. Com- you know, uh, compliment what I was even talking about earlier and, and kind of expand a little bit further on what, what you're even saying right here is just relying on plays that 
rely on the speed of this team because we've said more than once that this team is so fast. This team is so fast. And it still astounds me that Jake Fromm is able to hold onto the ball as long as he can. That astounds me for two reasons. Because our wide receivers are super fast and they should be able to run these routes effectively to get open and break coverage. I'm also really astounded by the fact that our O-line is so competent in allowing Jake Fromm to have so much time. So those two factors alone, like, why are we not having more success right. in the default? Uh, and I just want to be able to rely on this team's speed rather than relying on this team's size right. and the fact that their conditioning is stronger than every other team we've played. So Because that's not going to work forever. I agree. And especially this late in the season, we're just going to get hurt and they're going to get worn out. Totally agreed. So Just a little bit more subtlety is all is is not subtlety just a little bit more just a, a cleaner execution and a little bit more creativity would be really helpful um in, in the words of nacho libre where are the spices where are the cheaps yes did you not tell him they were the lord's cheaps that's what i have to say about that uh everybody we have a very special segment um today we have a we have a guest on our podcast and we want to be hospitable to our neighbors out west so we have nate edwards from rock m radio uh he is the fine purveyor of a very good missouri podcast over there called uh before the box score right nate that's correct yep absolutely so he has agreed to come over here and uh give us some insight into the missouri tigers uh my my I would say objectively favorite SEC Tiger, um, <laughs> and I'm going to go do a guest appearance on his show or on a Missouri show of some sort. I think tomorrow. So, uh, <laughs> I just, I mean, I just got an email and they said, "Hey, a Missouri podcast wants one of us to go do it." And so here we are. Mm-hmm. Um, here we are. So, so Nate, I you know we were talking off we were talking off air earlier, and I I said it's it seems like it's really hard to put a finger on what. Well, it's really hard for me to know what to think about this Missouri team. And I'm just curious, like at the macro level on the season, where are you at on this team? What do you think the zeitgeist of the fans is like, how how are you feeling right now about this year as it is oh, you know, played uh, out? Those are two very, very different things. Um, so the fans wanted to fire Barry Odom again um, after our first game in which Wyoming got pretty much every piece of turnover luck you can possibly get and still only one by six on the road uh first game of the year uh yeah they so, had like 18.0 turnover luck points or something oh, it, was, in, it was incredible in that game um, it's ridiculous we had uh two turnovers uh and scoring opportunities um that directly led to points for them about 10 points for them uh the turnovers luck was just incredible and and, and we we weren't sharp by any stretch of the imagination um but Wyoming beat us with exp- uh, with three explosive plays essentially and a, a boatload of turnovers. So we, everyone was very upset to start the season, and then we just just laid the hammer down on West Virginia, Semo, uh, and South Carolina, and that brought everybody back. And then the Troy game happened, and Troy um, decided to kill our team. They they football murdered our our starting linebacker Kale Garrett. They tore his pec. He's done for the year. Um, they also had a very late hit on Kelly Bryant, um, and really Kelly has not been the same quarterback since. And we, we beat Ole Miss by the skin of our teeth, and then forgot to show up at Vandy and Kentucky, um, who is a team that we just can never beat in our lives. Uh, did exactly what they were supposed to do. So it's if, if you look at the fan base, every single one of them wants Barry fired because we're settling for mediocrity. 
Um, I am I am concerned by the lack of effort or at least focus uh, in the Kentucky game and just the complete um, inability to to function as a competent offense against Vanderbilt, which is one of the worst defenses in the in the, in the entire SEC. Um, so I am I'm certainly not on the fireberry uh, train wagon, whatever you want to call it right now. Uh, but it is concerning based off of what we've seen so far of our last two games being just junk. Um, and, and now we have to play you guys, which is, uh, not a good team to bounce back against. Right. Uh, yeah, whatever Georgia's faults are, they certainly are not an easy out in many ways. Um, so I, you know, there is, there is certainly a narrative and I think, uh, stats god bill connelly tm 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 the the godfather of this podcast and many <laughs> you others can't tm bill connelly <laughs> i i I'm, I'm tming the fact that we just always call him stats god bill connelly as though it's okay, all that's one fair. word um bill connelly has talked about and i think this has sort of been a narrative writ large in general for missouri that this team is just genuinely a different team at home and then away uh at, you know at home as opposed to away is there having watched I presume the every, every staff of Missouri football. Do you, is there any? Do you feel like that there's a deeper reason for that? Is there is there anything that like just having watched the games and having been, you know, uh, tuned into it? Do you feel like there's anything connected to why it's just so much worse on the road than it is at home right now? No, <laughs> I mean, I wish I had an advanced stat to point uh-uh. to, but it, it, you know, like I said, Wyoming was fluky as hell, and you know the the team against Vanderbilt performed in the 16th percentile. Uh, the offense was at a 3%. Defense was at 77 Defense was not the problem at all. It was that our offense couldn't move the ball, just could not figure out um, how to get past the line of scrimmage on the run, and they couldn't catch any passes. And then against Kentucky, uh, they improved on their 16th percent, uh, percentile performance uh, with a ninth, uh, 2% on offense and 35% on defense. And the, the, I think – so you, you talked about the home road splits. I have looked at this at a quarterback level. Because Wyoming had Nick Chambers, uh, Vanderbilt tried out out some guy named Mo Hassan, and then Kentucky converted their wide receiver to quarterback. All three of those guys could run with the ball, and that's the only type of offense that our defense cannot stop. Um, They just do not know how to contain a mobile quarterback, and we shut down the pass, we shut down the running backs, and the quarterback goes for like 200 each game in those losses. So I think that's really the issue, and they just happen to line up um, on the road now if i if i remember correctly jake Fromm's not a mobile guy right no no he is no he is, okay he has many things he's not he's well, like well i do i do i, I do want to talk about missouri's defense because it is uh it's, it's surprisingly good yeah unequivocally one of the better defenses in the nation so right now um pulling up my advanced stats um, I will say, so, I, I mean, surprisingly there, meaning I didn't know how good they actually were. Yeah. And by the numbers, they're, they're, they look really good Mi- in, in all the ways that we are also good. Yeah, M- Missouri is currently third overall in success rate, surrender defensively, fourth in pass success rate, seventh in rush success rate. Um, explosively, they're slightly off that pace. They're 10th in, let's see, they're uh, 26th in passing explosiveness rate. Ninth and rushing explosiveness rate and thirteenth overall. So certainly, like a completely superlative defense, almost almost from top to bottom. There just really aren't a lot of numbers in this, um, in this defensive like personality chart that say that they're anything but excellent. Is there is there any unit on the field that's been the key to that, or would you say this is just sort of like front to back, all eleven, lots of talent, well coached? Or is there any like what's been the key to this defensive success so far for you guys? Uh, it's a lot of experience in the secondary. Um, everybody's at least a junior or or older 
And then it was Kale Garrett and Nick Bolton, our linebackers, at the linebacking position. Now, we switched to a 4-2-5 um, in the offseason. We, we flirted with it last year. We completely embraced it this year. And putting three safeties on the field, three experienced safeties on the field, has been huge um, as far as flying around to the ball. Now, with Kale Garrett gone, uh, about 28% of our team's havoc rate went with him. And so we, we're not getting those passes batted down, those tackles for loss, you know, the sacks, because he was really all of it, the interceptions too. Um, you know, it, our defensive tackles are excellent. Kobe Whiteside, Jordan Elliott, um, they will blow up the interior of the line pretty much every game. Our defensive ends are complete liabilities, and the two gentlemen that we have replacing Kale Garrett are underclassmen, and they're very good. They'll be very good, but they're still new. Um, so it was powered by Kale and Nick, powered by an experienced secondary uh, that was able to let the defensive line kind of not be as good as it used to be um, and shut down the pass and make make teams basically run to open up the pass, and we were able to feast on it. Do you think that do you think that the defensive ends are a liability in rushing are, are in rushing the passer or are they more like a running like gap liability? Oh dude, they suck at everything. Um, <laughs> okay. we have we have okay, so we've got um, we got a guy who was uh, missed most of last year. He had, he wasn't on the team for 8 months. Uh, he is starting. We have a project that we recruited 3 years ago who is still a project status. Um, our defensive ends have combined um, been able to contribute like 20 tackles and four tackles for loss, if I remember correctly, and that's from three guys. Um, they they don't, you know, maybe they force the ball uh, to the bounce them to the outside for our linebackers to clean them up. You know, maybe they are able to absorb double teams. I don't pay too much attention to the line. I'll admit to that, um, but there's just no production from them, and so. Anything that we need from a defensive standpoint comes from the DTs, the linebackers, and the safeties. And if you can get past them, um, you're good to go. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, I mean, not awesome, but it very <laughs> awesome for you. <laughs> yeah. Cogent analysis anyway. Um, yeah, there you go. Uh, so I, I had re- I'd read today that there's some amount of consternation among Missouri fans about whether Kelly Bryant is even going to start on Saturday. Yeah. Do you have any more yeah. insight on that? He, he's uh, apparently just been injured. So, I mean, he was he was injured uh, against Troy. Um, he was not 100% against Ole Miss. And um, he was hurt again in, at Kentucky on a long run. Uh, he pulled his hamstring, or it, seemingly he pulled his hamstring. So uh, we were hoping that the bye week would kind of cure all ails. But he, um, he said today at the media, or with Barry Odom, uh, and they're um, meeting with the press today. He's about 75%. And uh, Coach Odom said that, you know, he's a fast healer. Uh, but if we were to play the game today, Kelly would not be starting. So you might be seeing our backup, Taylor Powell. Um, or you might be seeing a limited, hobbled Kelly Bryant, which, again, is very awesome for you guys. Yeah. Um <laughs> Uh, I really, I mean, I, I don't want to. I'm not trying to rub it in. That is, that is definitely uh, something that we'll be looking for. I think on the day, like the day of the game, is this the kind of offense throughout the year that has run almost exclusively through him? I know that you guys have in Roundtree a very a more than serviceable, serviceable running back, but has he been that key cog uh, that sort of like makes everything run? Or wh- what is the sort of personality of the offense been to this year, to this point in the year? It's it's been really interesting. Our receivers are super young. Um, we have we do have two seniors starting. Uh, one of them is a slot guy, and the other is a transfer from Arkansas. 
but all the depth behind them are sophomores. And so they have the nastiest case of dropsies right now. Um, so the offense has been kind of crafted, you know, if you remember the Drew Locke years, it was the effort go deep um, and then we'll kind of run in between. Now right. it's it's like quick passes to the sideline, um, pretty much, you know, successful but non-explosive run plays um, to just kind of matriculate down the field. And we all thought that Kelly Bryant would be able to kind of, instead of going deep, uh, be able to roll out, scramble, and make some yards on passes. And he hasn't really been able to do that this year. Um, you know, Larry Roundtree is excellent. We call him Larry Three Sticks, but he can't really create for himself. And our offensive line scheme has not been very good this year. A lot of defenses, even Vandy, has been able to take advantage of some gaps in our protection and really shut down the run. So we have a couple of running backs who can't really create. They're just going to be kind of efficiency machines that aren't going to break it loose. Um, and you have an efficiency attack on with our receivers who like to drop the ball a lot. So if they're not dropping it, we, you know, we can put together a 12, 13 play drive and get some scoring. Uh, but it's really easy to put us behind the sticks and we are just awful at third down. And Kelly Bryant hasn't been able to make the magic happen on third down as much as we'd like. Um, I think on passing downs themselves, uh, our offense ranks like 61st or no 73rd is what we currently rank at. Um, because we just, you know, I mean, our receivers have a 26% drop rate, which is the Yikes. worst in the SEC. Yeah. That, so like that is, that is not good. Yeah. If Kelly Bryant throws four balls, one of them is going to hit the receiver square in the hands and drop harmlessly to their turf. And it's just, it's, you can't rely on the pass and we can't rely on the run. So when you're an efficiency-based offense that can't rely on things, you get ground down to a halt real quick, and we can't convert on third. And so it's it's been pretty miserable the past couple games, if you haven't picked up on my tone here. Um, yeah. <laughs> and we were able to mask it with a really excellent defensive performance uh, for the first seven weeks, uh, but it's starting to get exposed now. Well, I, I, I want to I hear your take on this game in particular, but I am interested as – I mean, we like to, we like to kind of keep up with the – the sort of landscape of the SEC East. I mean, where do you think, I mean, I think that probably not unreasonable Missouri fans, but most people who watch this from the outside, it seems like that to some extent this, this year has just been a little bit stake bit with injuries, with just mm -hmm. flukiness. And listen, Georgia fans, I think should all be able to appreciate that kind of thing. So, I mean, where do you think as, as, as someone who is probably a little bit more rational than the average fan, where do you think that leaves Missouri you know, going into the next couple of years, coming out of this, like, what does success look like? What are your expectations for how this looks going forward? Mm, I mean, I've always said, and I think a lot of reasonable people say, um, if you're winning eight games a year, you can coach at Missouri forever. And I, I don't view that as a negative. I know there's some more rabid parts of our fan base that do and think that's settling for mediocrity. Um, but when you don't have a lot of homegrown talent, uh, and you're not a historical program, and you don't have the money like you all do, uh, you have to rely on effective recruiting and effective development. So what you really got to ask yourself is, do you trust the coach to acquire talent and develop that talent and then break through every couple of years when the stars align? Um, I, I certainly thought that was the case for Barry. And so going into the season, we thought, okay, got the schedule, we got the guys. This is where you get your 10-win breakthrough and kind of – you know, silence the masses, the pitchfork crowd 
for when we win six or seven games next year, seven or eight games the year after that. Uh, with Missouri, it's always kind of peaks and valleys, right? We're going to peak, and we're going to fall down, and we're going to build, 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 and then peak, and then fall, and then build, build, build. And so not getting that peak, not getting that breakthrough this year is going to make it a lot more difficult to defend a six or seven win season next year if that's what he ends up being. If it ends up being four or five, all of a sudden you're looking at a coach five years in who's won eight games most last year and has hit four games, and it's basically somewhere in between there where you lose a lot of games that you shouldn't. You might win a few that you do, but the consistency week to week is just not there. So um, I'm not totally sure. I'm not the AD, and thank God I'm not. Um, I can tell you that the crazies want him gone now, but they always want him gone. But even for defenders of Odom like myself, it's going to be very difficult uh, to defend him if he doesn't get to you know at least eight wins this year. And so that kind of leaves our program in a very curious position going forward. Yeah, it, it is. It is definitely going to be, I think, a, a, a position to watch because I think uh, Missouri at its best. I mean, I, when Missouri first first joined the SEC, it was definitely kind of like, well, shit, we got to play Missouri again this year. Damn it. And it, you know, we were a little <laughs> bit, UGA was a little bit snake bit with Missouri actually a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, Missouri beat UGA twice to go to the SEC uh, title, I think, or at least once. Oh, so, we only beat you once. once. I love to think that we beat you twice, but only listen, once. Listen, listen, I was at time, that yeah. game and it felt like an aeon and a half. So don't worry. <laughs> we're, I still remember it. Um, So what are, so getting back to this Saturday, what are you, I mean, if you want to do a score prediction, you can, but I'm just more interested about what do you think the, the flow of this game looks like? What what kind of game are you expecting to see? Oh, I, I fully expect, well, if Missouri comes with their A game, I, I should preface it. If they come with their A game, this will be a first to 20 wins. Um, because I if, if our defense is really jiving, um, you know, I think that they can limit you guys a little bit. I, I feel like Georgia, and you can correct me if you're wrong, but if I'm wrong, but I feel like Georgia is a more talented Missouri where the passes aren't going deep, the runs aren't, you know, going for big gains, but it's an efficiency machine that has a defense to back it up and put it in good position. And so when you have two teams going out like at like that, I fully expect, you know, kind of low possession or sorry, low yeah, low possessions. Um, low scoring, defense kind of tilting the field, you know, playing that kind of game. Um, and I think it's going to be kind of boring from the outside, but a complete nerve-wracking game uh, for you and I watching the game. And um, I, I guess for my preview for, for Rock M, um, I highlighted a couple things. Number one, uh, essentially, is Georgia getting explosive plays? If you all are, game over. Um, if we are holding you to your usual, we'll probably be able to at least hang in there. Um, your success on passing downs, again, I'm, I was like struggling for things that you guys are not good at. Um, and passing downs are certainly not top 25, which is about the best I could get for, for a Bulldog team. And then third downs, you know, if we could get you, I don't know, third and long, you know, third and medium, um, I feel like that means our defense is going to be in, in a good position. And if we get into a punt battle, uh, God, that, that would be suit us perfectly so i think it's going to be just a very ugly game uh if we bring our a game if you all are clicking and we are not this will be 40 nothing at halftime and then we can all move on with our lives and do something else right <laughs> well i uh we we really appreciate your insight man that was uh way more information than we were able to get because 
and I mean, I don't know that we'll necessarily keep this part in, but even in doing research over the past couple of days, it is just so hard to figure this team out, man. It is. It, yeah. It's like, well, they're good, I guess, but they're five and three. And I don't really know what to think about it. It's, it's very confusing, but well, well, it's, 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 if they're on, they're on, right. You know, they've, they've played in the 90th percentile or better three times and just, just knocked the hell out of their opponents, but they've also just not shown up. And so it's really a question of where's their motivation? Are they focused? Can they play their game? And you all are pretty good at making people not play their game. So it's, it's just a question of which team shows up. Um, and yeah, it's, it's very curious. Uh, we're dangerous, but we're also kind of our own worst enemy. So who knows? Yeah. It, it, it sounds familiar. Yeah, absolutely. I was about to say, <laughs> listen, if you were a UGA fan, like circa 2015, we, you would be having these exact same conversations. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Nate Edwards again from Rockham nation uh, and Rockham radio and the, before the box score podcast, we appreciate you so much for coming on. Uh, Really, really loved your insight, and I look forward to returning the favor. Is there anything before we get out of here that you want to plug or anything you'd like to message you'd like to shout out to the the 10 Georgia fans that listen to this show? <laughs> it, it's, um, it's, more, it's more than that, but you know what I'm saying. I would <laughs> hope so, yeah. Uh, Rockham's great from Mizzou yeah. Sports, if you all are interested. We got, uh, we've been producing like nine pieces of content a week for the past month, so we are machines over there. Uh, you can listen to Before the Box Score if you ever have any interest in uh, you know, when we play you guys, you can hear kind of um, our, our take on things. And, of course, we're going to have you all on the show this week. Uh, shout out to uh, Sammy Staba, who got this all set up for us. Shout out to Sam, who runs Rock M. Uh, shout out to Como, the real Columbia of the SEC. Um, and shout out to you guys for Don't being awesome. Don't disagree with you. <laughs> South, yeah, South Carolina sucks. Yeah, South Carolina is just awful. I think... I think if, if there's anything that Missouri fans and UGA fans can can just totally unite on, it's that Columbia, South Carolina is just like it's the perineum of the United States. It's it's just god awful. <laughs> I'll second uh, that. I'll second that. Well, listen, man. Uh, thank you so much for being on, and yeah, I look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That guy knew a lot more about Missouri than us. <laughs> I feel I feel, <laughs> yes. I feel like I don't have a lot cogent to say about it. Damn. Yeah, let's hit me. Hit me with your over under. Uh, first over under on the day for me. The, I made these too good again. I'm gonna lose on these because I just like made them stick to the stick too too close to their average. In their last three games, in their last two losses, Missouri has averaged like 13 points. So I'm gonna say over under 12.5 Missouri points. I say under. I think this is a, this is a game where if Kel, especially if Kelly Bryant doesn't play. They're going to have a really hard time putting any points on the board today, uh, especially since Georgia is now the, the first best team in keeping teams honest in their own 40-yard uh, red zone. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I actually think under as well. I think we could both look really foolish here, but it's just they have not shown a lot of offense. <laughs> you know what I mean? They just no, they, they really have yeah. not. And, and it could just be worse than what they've already shown is the problem. Yeah. All right, what do you got for me? Uh, over, under... so. Before I even say the over-under, actually, uh, this Missouri team has had some success on the ground. They have, on average, they are averaging 184 yards rushing per game. And so going into this game, they may have a situation where they can't rely on Kelly Bryant, his legs, uh, or his arm for that matter. And so are they going to rely more on the rushing game? And are they going to have any success doing it? So all that being said, my over-under is UGA allowing 90 rushing yards. 
Um, UJ is allowing now on average 77.6 to give you a point, another point of reference. I wonder, oh shoot, this, this is really good. This is actually a really good question. Um, I'm going to lean, man, that's a really good number. What do you have their average for the year? What's their year, year long average? I'm going to say over, I don't know how much success they're going to have. But I just think that they might not have much of a pass game to speak of, especially if Kelly Bryant's hurt and he can't run. I I feel like that there's a certain amount of just like defensive coordinator conservatism in uh, Barry Odom as well. And so I I wonder if they might get to 90 yards on like 30 carries averaging like Mm -hmm. two and a half yards a carry. Right. Like I think that they could have over 90 yards and we still feel very successful just because they're not getting a lot for their money, but they're just doing it a yeah. lot. I will also say, especially if, if this Missouri team does get behind, I think that I don't know anything about this this second uh, second string quarterback at Missouri. I think his last name is Powell. Is that right? Yeah. But from what I understand, he is he might be more of a pro style quarterback. Um, as when we compare him to Kelly Bryant, so he might be trying to throw more through the air. And if they are as behind as they might be early in the game, we're going to see more passing. Mm-hmm. And so I will go with the under just because of all those factors I just listed. <laughs> I'm going to say I'm going to take out my second one because I don't think it's really that relevant considering that Kelly Bryant might be out. So I'll give you my second one. My third one is my second one, which is over under uh, 25 Jake from pass attempts. And the only reason I ask this is because. I think you would say, you know, you might be, you'd be a fool to say over in a game like this, but I also do kind of wonder if just to tune him up and to keep him fresh, they make an attempt to get the ball in his hands a little bit more, especially going into an Auburn game, you know, an Auburn team that really defends the run well. So I I, I don't know. This is one that I thought was pretty obvious, but did not seem as obvious the more I, the more I thought about it. Yeah, because he's averaging, I want to say, right under that 25 mark, like right 22, 23. And so that's probably more likely. But I could see this being a game where we do have a lot of success in the air and the run game is is not necessarily being stalled, but it's not being as successful as it could be. And you're right in saying that maybe they're trying to tune him up a bit before headed into Auburn. So I could see it being a little bit more. Where are you leaning towards? I, I'm going to say over because... I think I I just think you know he's had games where he's had like eighteen pass attempts, but I do think that it's very clear that Kirby is using like what people are saying about the offense is to motivate Jake Fromm, and I also just wonder yeah. if like what if Jake Fromm just comes out and goes like like there there is a world in which this this I'm not gonna predict this, but there's a world in which this team comes out and just pastes Missouri right, and you can yeah. kind of see mm-hmm. that world where like you know Jake Fromm comes out and goes like eight for nine in the first quarter and scores a touchdown and if that happens you know i would think that that would be a risk but if it remains a close game i think that they're going to get to the point where they just can't run on this team without loosening it up a little bit without with the pass yeah so i'm going to say over i definitely think kirby does definitely wants to show from that that he trusts him so and now i'm looking back at his stats again and and this in my mind it was old jake from where he was like a high teens uh, pass attempts mm-hmm. and completions and so he's averaging it looks like around 24 25 now maybe a little bit higher than that yeah that 51 game definitely skews it a good bit yeah. uh, but i'll say i'll say under still just to to mix things up 
uh, and to be a little different. And maybe he'll be in the low 20s. And maybe this game gets out of control and we see a little bit of Stetson Bennett. Yeah. Uh, my last over-under is UGA time of possession at 31 minutes. Something that Kirby definitely uh, wants to see even more of. He talked about it in his press conference today. And we are doing pretty well at, at possessing the ball for the majority of the game all season. So where do you think we sit there? I'm going to say over just because, like I said, I think you can win. Like like you said earlier, like I think you can win games with or without time of possession. But I think when your coach really cares about it, I, I do wonder about if you can if he can just sort of like force man ball his way into that, regardless of how the game goes. So I'm going to say over. Yeah. OK. Uh, I think I'm right there with you. I, I was thinking 31 minutes was probably too easy. And the more I talk about it and think about it, I think it's too easy as well. But I will say over because I can see us being 32, 33 minutes this game. Anything more would be probably rude <laughs> all right you want to do some predictions yeah i haven't even thought about mine yet i have and so i'll go first yeah good okay um i i kind of feel about this team like fool me once shame on me or fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me i mean i think we could say that there is dysfunction in this team's offense and i think that we might get it right as the season goes on and i think we might play a complete game this team is yet to play a complete game I think that there's a I I don't know that this is going to be the game where we play a complete game. I think it's possible, but I just don't know that this is a team that we're going to score. I don't think this is a team we're going to score 40 points on. Right. I don't even know that I necessarily think that this is a team that we're going to score like, you know, 25 points on. But I do think that we will slowly get closer to that elusive complete game where everything just clicks and we look like as talented as we should be. But I think there will still be moments and even maybe whole drives or periods where we are very frustrated with this offense. So I think that we probably beat our output um, from last week. And I'm going to say we probably are going to do that by just like getting two or three touchdowns and then just kicking the ball a lot. So I'm going to give you UGA 30 and then Mizzou 10. I think this is a game where we cover. But I also think that like that 30 to 10 score might cover up some real frustrations where like we might get up like 21 10 and then we're driving and it's like, oh, man, we're about to put this game away. And then we just kick like three field goals in a row. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. we're up by 20, I guess, but I'm still pissed off somehow. Right. <laughs> like like we, yeah. we kicked it from the eight twice like that. Just stuff like that. Like I, I don't know how much I trust this offense execution wise in the red zone. And so I feel like that this is going to end up being some kind of, I mean, like this score might be totally off prediction wise, but one prediction I do think is going to come true is that I think UGA is going to end up with some weird score that you can only reach by like kicking six field goals. Cause I think this might mm-hmm. be a time where like we look really good in moments. And then there are moments where it's like, well, I don't know what happened when we got inside of the 35 there, but that was not a touchdown. And we just do that for two or three times. Cause I think if we get, yeah. if we get up, we're going to get even more conservative. Right. Yeah. That's kind of where I was headed as well. Is that, that is the same thing. Like we're, we'll probably see uh, a lot right out the gate. I think, you know, maybe a couple scores right out the gate, maybe get up 14. Um, Oh, and then we continue to slow down gradually over time, you know, come out after halftime, maybe score another touchdown, but then just kick field goals the rest of the day. And it's like, sure we won, but yeah. we just want to see a little bit. We want to see it. We want it to be a little sexier. Yeah, I mean, and, just and, a little bit more. And it doesn't have to be to in me, a complete game, like you said. Yeah, to me, it doesn't have to be super sexy as long as it looks a little bit cleaner and the execution is better. But yes, I think we will still be very, very frustrated at times. 
Yeah. So with that being said, my my score prediction for this game is UGA 37, Missouri 14. A conclusive game, conclusive end, but a weird one. 37 points, you don't get there like intentionally usually. Yeah, no, 37 <laughs> kind of by accident. 37 is a good number because that means like we get to 31 points on a field goal and then we just kick two more field goals. Like mm-hmm. just to do it. Or this is the game where we we score a touchdown and then we're like, hey, let's try that that two pointer play and it doesn't work out. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Just we'll need it next week. Something weird offensively. Mm-hmm. Something weird. So yeah, this looks pretty good. We got some some good ideas, and I guess maybe I can even record a bit here where I'm saying like maybe this is where the other part comes in. I I think we would probably have already heard from our friend Nate at yeah, this point. He did a very good in job. The final cut. I gotta say. Yeah, he did a great job. I think it was fantastic. So let's head into our favorite segment then. Uh, hashtag AskCBC. So if you want to hear questions on the show, be sure to send them to us before the show comes out with the hashtag AskCBC or send them to Gmail at chapelbellcurve at gmail.com. All right. So the first question comes from Andy Dimmit. Damn it. Andy, damn it. <laughs> That's not his name probably, but this is the the, <laughs> the wonderful physician's assistant that we uh, shouted out in the beginning of the last episode. So he said thank you and everything, but he, he came back with a question. To which OC or offense would your significant other compare your romantic prowess? And then he hashtagged baby of sorts. Okay, let's just start this so, by saying that we love our wives very much. And this is probably going to end in one of us getting divorced. All right, go on. <laughs> we we pulled both of our wives before this happened. Yeah, and so, again, um, again. And there might be some there might footage be... that actually makes the final cut of Nathan and his wife talking about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hope so. That That's probably going to be the cold open, God damn it. Um, all right, do you want me to go first or do you want to go? You can go first. My wife said Alabama. Like, and I think her reasoning was, and I, I don't, I'm not going to give any direct quotes or anything. Her reasoning was basically really good at it, kind of just too effing smug and arrogant, you know, like, no, like good, good for sure. Definitely good tradition, consistent, works hard, has a process, trust the process, good tradition, right? Has a great tradition of it. I mean, we've been doing this for like 15 years, man. You know, there's a there's a long and August tradition. There's a, the band's really good. Stadium <laughs> atmosphere is excellent. Recruiting program excellent. Everything is organized. Everything happens on time. Like just the little details all come together and make the experience, you know, more than the sum of its parts. But also just like kind of an arrogant prig about the whole thing. Which you know what uh-huh. that checks. <laughs> that checks out. <laughs> uh, I'll allow that. Yeah. A great tradition. A storied tradition. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like every. I think her her reasoning was like, you know, every time we make love, it's like ba ba da ba ba da ba da ba 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 ba. Like any time I walk in the room, it's pretty much like the Deep South's greatest rivalry. Yeah, the Deep South's oldest rivalry. I just got. Can you just please, please shut up? Okay, that was a live text from my wife. All right, your turn. All right, so I texted my wife as well. She was downstairs, but what she said. She took it in a different direction because she doesn't, uh, by her own admission, I don't know any other offensive positions, really, is what she said. And so this is this was her response. Your romantic prowess is disarming, charming, and guileless. You are patient and play the long game and carry your partner when they aren't sure or when they lose hope. You see people for who they are, where they are. So maybe the quarterback, because he has to be able to see where people are and where they're going to be to throw his passes. And because he puts the team on his back and does what needs to be done, even when defeat seems certain. And then she said, I was feeling poetic. <laughs> that is beautiful. Can I, Wasn't it beautiful? Can I just translate so nice. into 
Can I translate that into uh, what offensive coordinator Something. you are? Yes, please. Mike, goddamn Bobo. <laughs> Sweet, beautiful family man, charismatic, plays the long game, uh, calm, wears the shit out of some reading glasses, and we'll just like, yeah, we'll just fucking send it on your ass. We'll just mail it, mail it on your ass, like four verts every play. It's like, oh shit, I didn't know he had that in him. She she followed it up with. I, I told her like, well, the, what they meant was an offensive, like a team's offense or an offensive coordinator. And she said that assumes so much more knowledge of me than I actually have. And then she said, well, actually, I'm 9-0 in my fantasy league. So maybe I do know things. So make sure people know that I'm outstanding. <laughs> she is outstanding. <laughs> she is uh, 9-0 in this football league that she auto-drafted and just learned last week how to switch out players that are on bye weeks. Lol. And so she's kicking everyone's ass. She um, she has really triggered some people, I'm imagining, in the last nine weeks. Oh, yes. 100%. So that's what we got for that one. Next question comes from Bryce Kama. How bad is the gateway arch? Um, I don't know. It's I've pretty. never seen it. It's cool. It, it's one of those things where you get up to it and you're like, well, that's just a big old arch of metal. And it's got like a museum in it or whatever. And you go up it and you're like, well, that's just a big old arch. It's cool as hell because the best thing about the gateway arch is not going to the gateway arch. It's like when you come in on the interstate and you can first see it and you're like, you see it. You're like, yeah. hold on. How far away are we from St. Louis? Over 20 minutes and I can see the arch. And then you get the like weird like. What what's the thing for like the the thassalophobia like the the fear of the uh, mm-hmm. the abyss the depths it's like that but like with big things what's the big fear of the big things I I get that Ooh. I get thassal or uh, thalassophobia pretty good uh, but I still also kind of like it it's megalophobia megalophobia but the vast infinite inf- uh, emptiness of the sea waves that's what it feels like to me. Can we talk about what what landmark is worse than the Gateway Arch instead? Yeah, sure. How about the big old Chicago Bean? Oh yeah, made by a total tool. What the hell is that even? Like the guy who made That's that, the I guy know. who made that is a, is a tool, is a tool bag. Just look up the guy who made sh- the the Bean or whatever. He's he's Just an Google awful that. human. <laughs> big old Chicago Bean. Yeah. Uh, Austin Vaughn, short of a loss, what would be discouraging to see on Saturday? And the flip side, what would be encouraging to see? Uh well I think it would be very very discouraging to see just a lack of offensive creativity in the rush game especially mm-hmm. that that's that's the thing that I would be really really concerned with is just what you know the you know if we're just running the same three plays or we're just not calling the right situational plays at the right time and we just do it for four quarters then it's like okay now we have a problem what would be encouraging to me is is to see more offensive creativity earlier in the game. And we, you know, we got some of that in the past game, I think definitely against Florida, but I need to see that in the run game as well. Jared Campbell, is anything Kirby is saying about Mizzou something to be really worried about going into Saturday, or is it all just bluster? Um, I don't I don't I think that there's there is stuff to worry about in the sense that, you know, I mean, they have a very good defense. They have the kind of defense that can punish you if you play a bad game. If you don't bring your A game, it's not going to go well. Hey, Keith Schrader, what can Coley do this week to keep improving the offense? I think just trying to doing some self-scouting, a little bit more self-scouting about tendencies based on formation. And I don't just mean like shotgun. I mean, like when we do three wide flex tight end with, uh, to the short side of the field or we do trips tight. What do we run out of that, and can we avoid that? Right? Can we avoid getting into those ruts again? That would be the number one thing. Next question comes from Joel. Yesterday, 
Nathan, what is your favorite Redcoat band's halftime show? Uh, I can tell you that exactly. My favorite Redcoat show ever performed was in the 2017 Rose Bowl when they did the Allman Brothers show because that show, they played it so much. I know they were tired of it. I know they like, you know, a lot of people in the band kind of hated it because they just play it so freaking much. But they came out in that show after having done the bowl, after having done a pep rally, a five mile parade, after having played for like literally three or four hours. And they got into Whipping Post and just like tore the paint off of the side of the Rose Bowl. And it was just really, uh-huh. I was on the sideline with Ben Vasco, uh, dearly departed, my, my like one of my closest Sousa friends in the world. And it, it was one of those moments where, you know, the thing that happened, I, I think we talked about this in the Florida episode where like they called that cager catch a catch and you just, there was just a Jumbotron yeah. guy, the guy in the Jumbotron just going like, oh, <laughs> just like the human shrug emoji. <laughs> like they, they uh-huh. played that first note and we'd been talking to Oklahoma's Oklahoma band staff and they played the first note of uh, Whipping Post or the, the first note of the hit on Whipping Post and the staff just stopped and looked at them and they were like, oh man that's really good and we were like oh thank you you know they work really hard <laughs> and then they turned around and me and ben were both just like i guess they had that in them huh okay cool <laughs> didn't see that coming and we, we were down like 17 points at the time and they were tired and it was just like it was like getting smacked the f around it was great <laughs> uh the sec- second part of this question is justin what's your favorite dragon con memory and moment and you've been to dragon con not in, in recent years yeah. but well I, i'm gonna let you answer this one because i went to dragon con when i was like looking for an anime waifu as waifu as a 16 year old so i don't want to tell you <laughs> we're any all mind. still just doing that yeah but i don't want to tell you any of my dragon con memories they're too sweaty and acne soaked go ahead my favorite dragon con memory i i think i have two like the very first one it was still the first time i ever went and i got there really late on a friday night and showing up and kind of realizing that this is a place that existed just kind of how accepting and magical and welcoming it was and inclusive it is I remember getting to Atlanta and you start seeing people here and there on the sidewalks that are all dressed up and then you get deeper and deeper into downtown and then all the sidewalks are full. And then when you're finally into the host hotels, it's just madness. Like people are just having the best time of their lives. Like everyone's so kind. Everyone's so excited to be there and it's just a very happy time. But that night finished, it kind of culminated in getting into the first party I went to was the last night on Alderaan. It's a, it's a party that happens every year. It's Star Wars themed. And um, the it was in one of those big ballrooms. If you've ever been in any convention center, like one of the huge ballrooms with all of the the false walls taken out, and so the whole ballroom is is open. And so the front half was a huge dance party with like cantina music playing, but like electronic covers of cantina music. And the back half was just a huge circle of people doing lightsaber fights. That was a magical time. <laughs> That's awesome. It was one of the best times. Uh, and then this year, I will say one of my favorite, one thing we like to do is go find all of the weird uh, kind of underrated shows that people don't talk about. And one thing we found this year that we were really excited about that ended up being an awesome time was the Ninja Warrior puppet show, which is as strange as it sounds. And I wouldn't be able to explain it without really going into it any deeper. But Ninja Warrior puppet show, highly underrated. Awesome. What's the next question? Next question is Jonathan Ashley. Which player did you think was going to have the biggest influence this year that hasn't? And which player surprised you with their contribution? Well, I think the, the, huh, this is a dark answer, but the one that I thought was going to make a contribution that didn't was JJ Holloman because he got kicked off the team. Yeah. The one that has made a contribution is Lawrence Cager. Lawrence Cager is a huge, uh, right. 
I don't know if you have Surpri- anybody. Different. Not a surprise necessarily. I mean, for people uh, for people that stayed on the team, I really did think that Channing Tindall would come on a little bit more. He'd been hurt. He's been hurt on and off, but you know, I think that Monty Rice and uh, Trey or Tay Crowder have really shored up their spots pretty well. My favorite and biggest contribution this year is totally Aziz Ojolari. He is crushing it. Nice. Yeah, he he looks really good for a redshirt freshman and for anybody really. He's just having a, a an awesome season. He's playing great football. Um, Zach Callett or Calais could be Colby Calais. Mizzou rushed he's for something like 175 yards. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Uh, Mizzou rushed for something like 175 yards and four touchdowns last year against UGA. Is this something we should expect to see this year, or are we more likely to see more of the same from our front seven? I think they're going to have a little bit more success just because they're going to just run the hell out of the ball. You know, so I I, I think I don't know if 175 sounds right to me, but I think, yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, And the second part of the question was, can we get thoughts on the CFP decisions if it's already out by the time we're recording, which I don't know if we are. We're sixth. Uh, Yeah, I, I think that sixth seems about right. You win all your games you are going in. You know what I mean? So it doesn't really matter. That seems just fine. George Zeliff. Zeliff. When Georgia lost to South Carolina, Mizzou was at the top of the East before falling two weeks in a row to Vandy and Kentucky. Do y'all think the bye gave them enough time to sort out whatever happened and be back to their caliber from earlier this season? I don't know. Only because I think Kelly Bright's health is going to have a lot to do with how this team looks yeah. coming up. And if he's hurt and he can't play or he's hurt and he's really like you know limited i i i would worry about it for him uh justin smith do you think the wild dog formation will make its way back into the playbook nah, we haven't figured that I don't out think yet so. it's 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 we're still like operating in like the shotgun version of the mid 60s also it, you know the wildcat's something that can work really well if you commit to it but i don't think we're willing to commit to it Eric russell Will we continue to run the new, never seen before plays like the toss sweep? <laughs> I think we will. I think I had heard. Um, I think it was on the Dogs Twenty Four Seven podcast. They were talking about how like they heard they had a phone call. They or they had a text message with a former UJ player who said that UJ was looking very predictable pre-snap uh, in the first half, and then came out and looked much less predictable. And I wonder if there wasn't a conversation that was like, "Hey, if you got it in the tank, use it right now." So I wonder if like now that it's out and we've like taken that cork out of the bottle like then suddenly that might be better right i mean and i don't think james coley's bad i just think we need to go a little bit deeper in the playbook kyle nab what is your lucky item of clothing for football season? do you have one for this not for football season as much as i do like i ha- i've had lucky items of clothing when i was playing um ultimate frisbee in college and i was it's a real sport everybody I had these lucky socks that I did not wash Gross. since my first season of college Gross. Uh, frisbee. Uh, and they were my lucky socks and I never lost a game wearing them. So don't knock it till you try it. You got lucky socks. I got lucky socks, but I wash them. Why? Be- wash all the luck out. No, because like they were with you. They they were with you then. They're with you now. My socks. That's how superstition works. No, no. Superstition is totally arbitrary. I get to, <laughs> I, It gets to work however I want it to work. It became a kind of like a challenge at a certain point. It was like. I can't wash them now. It's a thing. Yeah. Does your wife know that you had these? I don't know. She might. I'll have to ask her. Yeah. I'd be interested to see. Uh, who's your favorite tiger character? Do you want like an answer that someone will know or just some like Nathan bullshit? I think you should stay on brand. Okay. <laughs> Nathan bullshit it is then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very well. Okay. There's this really good book series that not even deep cut people have read and it's called Malazan Book of the Fallen. And if you like Game of Thrones, 
like Malice and Book of the Fallen, other than uh, real time, is like the next thing that's going to get big. I'll go ahead and say that. Like, Wheel of Time is about to come out, and it's going to get big, and people are going to be like, oh, my God, have you heard of Wheel of Time? And it's like, I read that when I was in eighth grade. Shut up. But no, Malazan Book of the Fallen is, like, high fantasy that is giant, like, way more characters than Game of Thrones. Just giant, complex web, web of characters. Like, soul-crushingly, dis- like, Im- like deep and, like, tragic at times. Beautiful. Um, and, but it has this, like, tiger god sort of of war called Trake. T-R-A-K-E, and I really like him. I like Trake a lot. He's a cool, like, character. Uh, I grew up in a, a house that was very into Winnie the Pooh. My mother had Winnie the Pooh everything, and she would paint, like, murals in our in our bedrooms and bathrooms, and so Tigger is definitely one of my favorite tigers, uh, but I think one of the best tigers uh, is Shere Khan. Shere Khan, Shere Khan is from a tiger. The Jungle Book. He's such a good villain, too. He's so good and and like he he does that uh like that scar thing from lion king well but it's a little bit more manipulative and a little yeah. bit more convincing sometimes so he's 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 pretty evil and then of course hobbs shout out to hobbs next question irked russell missouri likes to run the ball so is this the week we give up a rushing touchdown oh man <laughs> oh man the problem is <laughs> any way you say this you're going to end up sounding like a dick uh-huh. Like one way or the other, right? Like you're going to sound like an asshole. Yeah. I think that their rushing game isn't as good as it can be. I think that there are other teams we're about to play that have a better chance of taking this away from us than than this Missouri team. That's all. I I think they might do it because they love to run. And just statistically, it's just hard to not give up a running touchdown like i think we might blow them mm-hmm. out and they still might be the one who scores because they just like they yep. just like to run man uh joe tereshinsky Ter- is that yes joe tereshinsky chinshinsky the eighth let's revisit 2012 you can replace any two sec schools one west and one east with any two other schools who do you pick and why florida state and clemson are the crowds are the cowards choices so i sup- i i i guess the the concept is that we are like this is after Texas A&M and Missouri come in and we can replace any two other teams like are Texas A&M and Missouri available to replace. Uh, Yeah, I think so. I like Texas A&M. I think they make sense in the SEC. Actually, um, I think they're just mm-hmm. messed up and weird and they just they fit in a weird way. I think Missouri is probably better off in the Big 12. They weren't money wise. Like that's why they came over because they just make more money. The Big 12. But so I would re- I would keep Texas A&M. Ooh, boy, this is this is going to be a hot ass take. <laughs> I won't. I'm not going to kick out Kentucky out of respect to Turner Hawkins. Looking at you, Turner, if you stuck around this long, um, I would keep Texas A&M and I would replace South Carolina with Clemson because Clemson is just South Carolina, but like actually SEC, um, mm-hmm. and and they are the coward's choice here. Clemson is the coward's choice, but I would not take FSU. No, instead, I think I would get no. I would get way weirder, and I would take like. What would be weirder? Like, what is the my weird one is UAB? Nah, okay. So here's what I do. Here's what I do. I think we, I think we get rid of, I think we get rid of South Carolina and we take Clemson because fuck them, um, and we get rid of Arkansas <laughs> and we replace yeah we that replace was Arkansas with Texas. Oh, yeah. So then that's fine. Yeah. No, you know what? Actually, Arkansas, Texas, Texas A and M all in the same conference. That sounds fun. Also with LSU. Mm, sorry to say this, Missouri. Looks like you're out. 
Yeah, I think we. I think Missouri. Missouri stays. goes. Arkansas. Missouri goes go. for Texas. No, we got the whole set. We got the whole SWAC back in, or the t- whole Southwest Conference rather, not SWAC. That's the HBCU uh-huh. league. We got we got Missouri, Arkansas, Texas, Texas A and M, LSU, all in the same. All of those teams would just fucking hate each other constantly. <laughs> hmm. And then I I like I like Clemson over South Carolina, but if you really want to be like kind of contrarian and not take Clemson, which is the obvious pick, I think instead who you take is like Virginia. Because then they'd be like a second yeah. Vandy or Virginia Tech. Now nah, Virginia Tech would be better, especially in 2012. You'd take Virginia Tech. Let's get real wild and bring those App State fools in. Oh shit! You know the the oh yeah. my god no that yes yeah, South Carolina's out. App State is in. App State's a- in. App State, put <laughs> App State in. You cowards. Here's why. Because and actually, you know what? No, no, no. Let's do this. Let's do the one better. Vandy's out. App State's in. Because the look on fucking Will Muschamp's face when his ass gets plowed into the ground by App State would just be. And actually, you know what? Let's get really weird. Here's my real weird scenario. South Carolina or uh, Vandy's out. App State is in. And then Missouri's out. And North Dakota State is in. And we just pay for the travel. We just pay for the travel, y'all. You know what? Bring them shoot in. Or shoot, baby. Like let's get let's get the let's get the uh, NDS out. Oh, you know what? Memphis is actually Memphis is the right answer here in the West. If you wanted to, yeah, if you wanted Memphis to switch team in the West, Memphis is absolutely the right answer. Memphis is a very SEC school in some ways. The next question is our Doctor James Bearfield Troll Corner, presented by Cheerwine. It's the wine that gives you diabetes. TM TM TM. Which ones? Is Mizzou the true undercat of the East? Yeah, absolutely. We I think we said they are. Oh, yeah, the Kentucky episode. They've got mm-hmm. a very good defense. We were we're calling it real early. Should I still be salty about that time we beat them 34-0 at Mizzou and they still went to the SEC championship? Yes. Of course, you should be salty about the fact time. that I think we didn't go because we lost to Florida. <laughs> this next question. I feel like Kelly Bryant was a big name coming into this year, but we haven't heard a lot from him. Why is that, Justin? Uh, <laughs> uh, injuries, right? It's, it's just injuries at this point. Yeah, big injuries. It looks like the offensive line for this Missouri team is not nearly as strong as a big player like Kelly Bryant uh, needs in order to be successful. I mean, he is somebody who's probably going, I mean, if he stays healthy and, and continues on and goes to the NFL, he might have a few years of kind of like showy quarterback dual threat kind of thing going on. But we're not going to see that, I think, in his time in Missouri, unfortunately. But he'll be back. I li- I'd like to think he'll be back in bigger ways. Nice. Uh, how did you guys not understand the mayonnaise question? <laughs> I still don't understand it. I, I have no idea what it means. <laughs> What changed y'all's opinions of the wide receiving core being deep and elite to it being a hindrance to Fromm? I'm not being trolly when I say this. Production. They just haven't they haven't mm-hmm. looked good. And also, JJ, like, I think we thought that they were deep, assuming that we kept all the players. And so, like, we basically a lot we of injuries, basically lost, I mean, this is the equivalent to like losing JJ Holloman on the first day of school to a horrible injury. That's what happened, right? It was it was way worse than that, but that's yeah. functionally if you think about impact on the, the thing, that's what happened. And then, yeah, the two the two biggest receivers that we thought were going to come out and and really make a huge difference really haven't at all. Mm-hmm. Their their blocking was really great in the beginning of the season. I think that that was really impressive, and I was really excited about that. But past that, they haven't done anything as far as a lot of points, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is kind of their job. Um, but yeah, that's how I see it. Uh, the last question is, my wife saw me on the phone and asked what I was doing, and I informed her that I was giving you guys my questions. And she stated she would like to ask a question. Her question is, should they change their name to Mazadal? <laughs> I don't even understand this. Mazadal mayonnaise, basically, yep. is what yep, this means. Good. 
Uh, and that's the show. <laughs> God, that's funny. God, best ever James Barrettfield question was from Miss Barrettfield. Uh, Mazzotl. God, Mazzotl. You want to see us out? This has been Chapel Bell Curve. If you liked what you heard here today, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Chapel Bell Curve. You can also send us an email at chapelbellcurve at gmail.com. If you loved what you heard here, who heard here today, you can there hit is. us up on Apple or Spotify with a review. You can um, subscribe to Patreon and be a part of this growing community that just sat and listened to us talk for almost two freaking hours for whatever reason. Or you can hit us up on the merch store, merch store over to Etsy. If you want to see more of what we can do, you can search up what I've been writing over at Doc Sports, or you can just go over to Doc Sports in general because they give us a lot of support. We will catch you this weekend when we play the true undercats of the SEC East, and hopefully you're not too miserable doing it. But until then, go, go dogs. dogs! See you in Mazzotl! See you in Mazzotl! <laughs> <laughs>